Welcome, Fertility Sisters, to the True Fertility Podcast. I'm your host, Leah Nicole Trujillo, a wife, mom, and therapist turned fertility coach after a challenging seven-year journey to conceive. Join me for stories from those who've walked this path, tips for your fertility and IVF journey, and some fertility-related girl talk. So let's sprinkle some of that baby dust because it's time for True Fertility. Are you considering donor IVF to build your family? Do you feel like you know plenty of women doing IVF, yet no one that openly shares about donor IVF? Are you worried about your potential bond with this baby? What will people say about it? And how to even go about picking a donor? If you answered yes to any of these questions, this episode is for you. Laura Watson, fertility coach and donor egg mom and I will dive deep into this question as we share our experiences and give advice for other women considering this path to family building. And in case you missed it, go back to episode six, True Donor Egg Story, Laura Watson, to hear the first half of our conversation where Laura details her fertility journey and shares all of the highs and lows that eventually led her to being a mom of two beautiful donor-conceived children. Now, before we get started with today's episode, I wanted to offer my listeners an opportunity to snag my free class, Triple Your IVF Success with Less Stress. Inside this free masterclass, you'll receive two simple tools that you can start on today that have been proven to triple your success rates when trying to conceive. These tools not only help you boost your fertility, but also help you feel better now. So if you're looking to get your baby in your arms faster, reduce the number of IVF rounds, and ultimately save money, time, and energy, this is the tool for you. Go to www.leahnicolecoaching.com, that's L-E-A-N-I-C-O-L-E, coaching.com to grab this free class while it's available. Well, let's go ahead and transition now, and we're going to be talking a little bit more about the donor-conceived process. I wanted to share that I also had my daughter through the use of donor eggs, and so that's kind of another way that Laura and I connect. And so we're kind of going to delve into more of a discussion-style conversation. I have a couple of questions from listeners and want to help others gain more information to see if this is a path that might be right for them as well. So before we get into questions, I kind of just want to take a moment to cover in case there's any questions, like what are we talking about with donor egg IVF? And please feel free to jump in. But basically what that means is that as Laura shared in her story, she was not able to have success with using IVF or using her own eggs to have a successful transfer. And for me as well, same thing. So because the eggs were, for me, the numbers were not there at all and possibly the egg quality, not sure for me. But we needed to use what we call a donor, so somebody who is going to go through the IVF stimulation process and recruit, hopefully, a larger number of eggs. 
And then for for me, and I'm assuming for you, Laura, as well, there your partner or you know husband will provide a sperm sample and then have that put that together, fertilize the donor egg with the sperm, and then create embryos. And then you, as the recipient, would then go ahead and use those embryos, transfer them inside your uterus, and hopefully you are pregnant, right? Yes. Yes. There's also another option, too, where there's donor, instead of donor egg, it's an actual donor embryo. And the difference there is that instead of your partner or husband fertilizing the eggs, you're also using either another donor. So you choose two donors or you can also have use a, an entire embryo that's already been donated from maybe other couples who have been using IVF and they decided not to go through with the additional transfers. So that's kind of the process there. But I think our conversation can cover both and also be insightful for people who are just using donor sperm as well. Yes. Yeah. So first off, I know you talked in your story a little bit more about like how you came to that decision. You just, you know, you want to maybe kind of highlight again a little bit more of that. I came to that decision because I felt strongly after three unsuccessful rounds of IVF and egg retrievals, I felt, I'm going to sort of satisfied that my eggs were not going to be our answer. Mm -hmm. But I wanted a baby. And so I suppose if I wanted to keep trying, then, then I probably would have taken a break, maybe made some changes and maybe diet changes and included added some supplements to my regimen and there's things that I could have done to try again because it is not unheard of for women to make some significant changes and be able to increase their egg quality. At quantity, we know you can't change it. Your egg quantity is your egg quantity. You cannot get more eggs. We have you're born with a finite number of eggs and by the time we're 40, that number is, has dwindled down quite a bit. But it had some eggs that was ovulating. And I probably could have spent some time trying to increase my egg quality with the hopes of getting the right egg sperm combination to create an embryo. But I wasn't confident in that. And I wanted a baby. I was ready to have a baby. And I was very lucky that we had no concerns about me carrying the baby. And, and my husband, his sperm looked fine. And so we did, we knew that we didn't have to also have a sperm donor. And as you said, we used the donor's eggs fertilized with my husband's sperm and to create our embryos. And I was able to carry both children. Yeah, I think for me, I, I, it was kind of similar in that, that, and every woman's different or every different on the threshold of how much they need to try a quote unquote, a traditional route, be trying naturally or in my, in our world, almost like trying through IVF feels a little more traditional, the right. standard IVF or IUI threshold before they feel like, okay, I've exhausted this and I'm ready to move on to something else that's going to give me a higher chance of a successful pregnancy. 
for me, yeah, I had already gone through that process. I I had also tried again a few years later, basically another trial to see if certain medications would increase other hormonal levels. And with me not responding well to that, I felt like, okay, again, the chances of me having success, I guess, with a traditional IVF route was slim to none. And thinking about delaying almost that, you know, having that baby in your arms, that's what it felt like to me. It just felt like, why am I going to almost spend my time there, spend my energy there? Again, IVF is not something that's a super easy process to go through. I mean, there's a lot of medication. There's, you know, the mental, added mental stress around that physical stress on your body with the injections and the hormones and financial stress as well. I mean, for me personally, with a lot of other women in the country, insurance didn't cover any of it. So that's a lot of things to consider. And for me, I felt like I was already at that place where, again, like you, I was just like, I really want the most efficient route to have my baby. And that was more important to me than trying again naturally. And I think what you touched on there about knowing that there's hope for having a baby naturally with some more holistic methods, I think also that's something that I personally at that point in my journey did not really know much about. And I felt like the doctors didn't really give us that alternative. They were basically just saying, you're not going to get pregnant with IVF. You have very low numbers hormonally with your AMH levels. And for me as well, extremely low for my age range. And basically the answer to your desire to have children is just donor egg IVF. Yeah, I mean, maybe I would have reconsidered, again, trying a more holistic path. But I was not really aware of that. And for me personally, too, I was not having a period on my own at that point. So I felt like that would be, in retrospect, challenging to, like, to track stuff if yep. I wasn't even, I mean, I wasn't having a period at all for right. many years. And I think that kind of covers it. Was there anything else you want to say about how did you come to that decision or what made you decide it was the right time? No, I think that's, yeah, that's that was good. just it. Okay. An audience member also asked around this concept of choosing a donor egg. My biggest worry is not sharing DNA with my child. Did this come up for you? And if so, how did you overcome that? It certainly came up for me. I think it's kind of, it's natural to, for it to be a concern or a, at least just like a, huh, I just did not anticipate this is what it would, was going to be like. And as I mentioned, I was able to find my way around that and get a, I don't know, get past it doesn't really sound like the right way I want to say it, but I shared that story about what my husband said about the qualities that I would be sharing with our children. And so that's what I would recommend to someone who knows that donor egg is probably their best chance at having, at getting pregnant or at building their family, but they're struggling with the idea that of that sharing genetics, the just start trying to flip that to what will you be sharing with your child? What are the qualities that you are looking forward to 
sharing with your children. I see a lot of families where you know they look a lot alike, right? Like mom and daughter look exactly alike or you know children in general look, look similar to their mom and that when i see that i'm like oh i'll never have that but there's so much that i already share with both of my children and what's interesting is i know that's there i know that i'm sharing those things i know that they are receiving so many of my qualities just from the time that we spend together and just from me being mom I can't tell you how often people will say to me oh you know your daughter looks just like you or I had one of my sons we were at a birthday party and another mom said oh my gosh he is such a mini you and I was like oh that's so funny and I was tempted to be like funny that you say that because technically you're not sharing genetics yeah. But instead, I just said, thank you, because she's bright. Like, in so many ways, he's, you know, just the way the things that he likes to do and the ways that he's so silly. And he is a kind of a mini me. And so my advice to that question would be to flip it and think about the things that you are sharing rather than the things that you aren't. Yeah. And I think to add on to that, the thing also that you can share I think sometimes when people think of that, they think about their presence in the world in a way lives on sometimes through DNA. And so thinking, oh, okay, if my DNA isn't continued, then almost essentially like my family line isn't continued. But my response to that is, again, as you shared, you're showing your children your family's way of life. You're showing your children your family's culture. And so in essence, those traditions, those ways of looking at the world, they are continued, you know, through your teachings, through your family life, through your, you know, culture that you share with your children. And so that is a way to almost continue on despite you maybe passing away, right? I know it's kind of morbid to talk about, but... Um, I think that's something that comes up for a lot of people, too, on that same vein. And again, for me, I felt like sharing the DNA, how did I overcome that? You know, again, it's not something that you picture when you think about having a child in the future. But I did have to grieve that loss in my head as much as I wanted to just move forward with having a baby. I actually had to spend some time like journaling and almost like treating it as an actual like physical loss in the fact that I'm going to write this, you know, idealized version of a genetic child, a a letter, right? And saying as much as, you know, I thought that I could look at you and see myself physically in you and looking forward to that, I'm going to have to let you go and make space in my heart for this donor conceived child. And hear you on that too. It is kind of interesting because sometimes I've had questions with people asking my daughter came out I'm pretty fair complected and she has darker skin and like black hair and my husband has black hair too but sometimes people will be like oh you don't look alike at all and I'm like yeah you know she my my husband has black hair and my hair's actually dyed so it's not naturally this light (laughs) but yeah sometimes I hear that occasionally and I think, again, like you have to think back to, yeah, it stings a little bit, but also 
there's plenty of genetically tied parents who don't look like their children. It's not so uncommon. No. It was so important to me when I was choosing my donor that she has blue eyes because I have Mm -hmm. blue eyes and I just felt like there was a shot that a baby that we would make using the donor eggs in my husband's sperm, like they potentially have blue eyes and then they would look like me if they had blue eyes. Mm -hmm. So it was so important to me. And sure enough, the donor has blue eyes. Everybody in her family has blue eyes. Like, like maybe somebody has green, but like everyone has blue eyes. And I was like, okay, these genes are strong. And sure enough, none of my children have blue eyes. They have dark brown eyes. Uh-huh. Um, and my daughter has these, you know, big brown eyes that for a long time we like watched them to, you know, when a baby's born, you know, for really sure it takes a while mm-hmm. for them to. But they were they just had a tint of blue to them for a little while. And I was like, oh, we have a shot. But nope. So it's just even with that one, the you know, using the donor who had similar qualities to me, they still end up looking like their father. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So kind of on that note, you mentioned you chose your donor and you wanted the eye color to be the same. Were there anything else that you used to help you choose your donor? And how did you go about that? I was more concerned not concerned I was more focused on her questionnaire answers and personality than her physical qualities but at the same time I was looking for somebody who was similar to me and that when I looked at her picture I saw qualities about her that I saw in myself and at one point she even sent me a picture of her as a child and that was kind of the center for me. I was like, oh my gosh, that could 100% be my little girl. And so I wanted somebody who really understood what they were, what this was about. And, you know, just somebody who was a good person and someone who maybe had interests that were similar to ours, talents that were similar. She played sports that were similar to my husband's and she's a brilliant young woman and so I just felt like I was it was kind of like this bonus that I was giving my children this opportunity to have this really incredible DNA like this you know to as far as academic talents and her physical talents but I just wanted to find someone that I really connected with and I looked at so many donors but when I kind of narrowed it down, I had three people in mind, basically. And I asked for more information on them. And then I gave that to my husband. And I was like, here are a handful of you know, women that I think could be good choices. And he looked through them and he pointed to what was my number one choice. And he said, I think that this is very obviously the right person. And it made me feel so good. I just... I connected with her right away. And so my donor was anonymous, mm-hmm. um, which this was in 2016, 17, that we were kind of going through the process, I guess 2017. Mm-hmm. And even 2017, which doesn't seem like that long ago, I think the majority, many donors were anonymous. Now the culture of that's starting to change a little bit, but, um, I was able to talk to her via our donor agency and so send them questions to ask her 
like I said, I had asked if she would mind sharing a couple of pictures of her as a child, and she she sent those right away. And I've been able to contact her after my son was born, and then I wrote to her again after my daughter was born just to share that we have two children now, just to continue to thank her for that and make sure that she knows how grateful that we are and know that there are children in the world now thanks to thanks to her generosity yeah yeah I'm glad you kind of touched on that too about the you know anonymous and then you using the agency and everything like that my donor is also anonymous as well I mean I actually used an egg bank so kind of a larger larger operation there yeah. is definitely like already like thousands of women in there it was kind of weird it felt like almost going through dating profiles in oh, a way 100%. yeah you know you're looking at what are their interests you know pictures of them little statements that they you know share about their view of life and things like that and again like you I think for me and probably most people who do choose donors um you know you do want somebody who you feel like there's aspects of you in them. And again, same thing. Like I chose somebody who had similar interests as me. Like she was really interested in psychology, specifically wanted to be a child psychologist. And prior to my entrance into fertility coaching, I was a school psychologist. And, you know, she, again, I felt like had similar physical attributes as me were not like twins uh, you know I would say but again I felt like a lot of similarities as far as like hair and you know body shape and everything like that and she just seemed like a nice person she said that she really loved animals and we have dogs I've had cats before and loves like being out there in nature and hiking which are also things that I like to do so I just felt really comfortable with her and then additionally I was just drawn to her in some weird way. I don't know how else to describe it. I just, I yep. try to keep a very open mind and keep the process open for as long as I felt comfortable. But again, I just kept coming back to her. And yeah, and that's kind of how I made that decision. But with the anonymous thing, when I was looking at the egg banks, as you mentioned, I was looking in 2021, I believe. That's when I was looking at, on for a donor for me. And also, like you shared, it most, I would say, probably 90%, at least, of the donors that I looked at, they were anonymous. And so the number, again, or the percentage of them that were open donor was very slim. So I just honestly felt like I didn't have any of that connection that I was seeking with somebody who happened to be an open one. And at that time, personally, I wasn't at a place where I felt like open was even necessarily the best idea for me. Um, I think in retrospect, I've grown a lot from that place. It can be very almost, I think at that time, it was very intimidating to think that there's this open donor out there and they're going to have this almost like connection with my child that I like this genetic connection that I don't have. And yeah. it almost felt threatening in a way. 
Did you feel like that as well? I think I did when we were going through the process. Yeah. Um, and so much so where I was like, not sure. Like I wanted to follow all of the recommended advice on sharing, the sharing the ideas and sharing as much as we knew with our children. But I remember thinking at one point, I don't know if I want to share her photo with the kid. And a counselor that I was working with was like, why not? And I was like, I don't know. I just, and I, maybe it was because I was afraid that they would see themselves in her. But as you said, I've grown a lot. And now I want to celebrate. And, you know, I do, my, my children are still very young. They're five and a half and two and a half, but. I do share our story a lot. And so they understand that we used a donor and they understand that we needed help from a lot of people, a lot of medical professionals. I don't know how much they really grip the concept of how they have a genetic connection with somebody out there that we don't know. Mm -hmm. uh, I think my son said once, where is she now? And I was like, mm -hmm. I don't know. I'm not. Sure, but I said, you know, I, I do know that I sent her a note not that long ago after your sister was born and to let her know. And so I know that she received that note. But I guess I was more, before they were here, I was more protective of how much I wanted them to understand because I'm mom and always had to convince myself of that. And now, I want to support them as much as possible. And so as they become more curious, I will, I'll do that. I will help them in any way to, if they want to find other ways to connect with her, then, I mean, they'll certainly yeah. have the tools to do that in today's technology, yeah. but I will support that and give them, tell them everything that I know, show them everything that we have, and they can kind of take it from there and, I'll do everything that I can to encourage that. Yeah, similar feeling with that. Like I said, I was very worried about that initially. And now again, like you, I feel like I just want her to have all of these, any questions she may have or yeah. answered in a way, or for her not to feel like there's this unknown box almost that she has no idea about or to feel like she doesn't have a full grasp on in a way where she came from and yeah. I mean I know I would personally want that in thinking if somehow that happened to me would I want to at least know something about that aspect of my genetic ties and I want that for her so bad now and as you yeah. mentioned, unfortunately, yes, I did choose a donor that is anonymous, but I would love to support and hopefully somehow make that connection and hope that she is actually open to fostering some sort of yeah. relationship with my daughter in the future. And I wanted to talk a little bit more. And this question is exclusive to my um, True Fertility Tribe group. But the question is, what do you tell your kids exactly? And like, when do you tell them? Like, do they know the full extent? Are you interested in getting the answer to this question? 
Well, this is your personal invite to join our exclusive Facebook group to dive deeper into the world of fertility with bonus clips, behind the scenes content, and intimate discussions. Here you can connect with fellow tribe members, share your experiences, and contribute your insights to shape the future of the show. And it's easy to join. Just search True Fertility Tribe on Facebook, answer a few questions, and you're in. I also have the direct link in the show notes below. See you there. Aside from talking to your children about this story, who do you tell and like how did your family take it? I know at least for me, a big worry of mine when I went down this path was will my child be accepted by my family as part of the family? Gosh, that was never really a question for me. And I don't think that anyone in my family thinks of my children differently than any other child in our family. I recruited my mother actually to write a blog post that I published a while back about what it's like to be the grandmother of a donor-conceived baby. Mm -hmm. And she struggled with putting it together first because she was like, it's no different than being the grandmother of a child that's conceived with their own child's eggs or whatever. But she did, you know, talk a little bit about what it was like to watch me go through it and the first time that I talked to her about it. And at the end of the day, they're, you know, they were so supportive of me and they were so excited for me to, um, to have children of my own because they knew that's what I wanted. I was very lucky that I never felt like there was any pushback or any questioning that this was the right decision. Mm. Yeah. And yeah, I had originally told my parents, but I had not originally told like my extended family. They knew I was pregnant and they knew that I used IVF, but they didn't know that I used donor egg IVF initially. I wasn't fully ready when I was pregnant to share all of that, but they do know now, right? (laughs) No, I know. But yeah, and when telling my parents, again, same as you shared, they were like, if that's the route that you feel like is right for you to take, yeah, let's support that. Let's get on board with that. And now that she's here, again, I still had in the back of my head, like, I wonder, you know, when my extended family finds out, will they treat her any differently? Will there be less of a connection in a way? And I'm not seeing that play out. Like my mom is so in love with her. My dad also as well. Even stepmother is also all everyone's in love with her so there's no problem there she feels again fully accepted in my family and my extended family once she was born I started becoming more public with my story and sharing that and yeah so they're all aware of that as well and I don't feel like it's an issue or what I thought it might be like that did not play out at all for for me Again, I'm really lucky. I feel maybe I didn't give my family as much credit as they deserved initially in my head. But yeah, they've really shown that love goes way beyond any sort of just genetic tie. A hundred percent. And it's not, I don't know that it was that you didn't give them credit, but just it's hard to be that vulnerable with something, with something like this. And Mm -hmm. same as you, where I wasn't. I mean, I shared it, I guess, with 
people that I was close to. But then, you know, when my son was, I guess, just over a year old or so, I wrote this article that was published and was very proud of it and shared it everywhere. And it was Mm -hmm. like, okay, if there's anybody who didn't know, they know now. And I was really relieved and it wasn't that I was surprised that nobody said anything that made me uncomfortable. Instead, everyone was just like, wow, awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that. And I just felt like when I was going through it, I would have loved to have read the story to know that there is hope that on the other side, you know, I was going to, I could potentially be a parent and raise a child and have build that family that I've always wanted and connect, you know, just that, again, that connection with somebody that had been through it. I would have loved mm-hmm. to have read that story when I was going through it myself. And so it's more important to me to put the story out there than it was to protect those boundaries. Yeah. I felt like for me, when I publicly shared, and again, at this point, it's not just t- telling your extended family when you're publicly sharing this, yeah, you're telling the whole world. You're telling, you know, people that knew you in high school. Any, you know, you know how Facebook is. It's like people we don't even, some of them right. like don't even really talk to or haven't talked to in ages. Yeah, I mean, it's really putting it all out there. And again, I was concerned that there might be some negative feedback, but that was not the case actually at all. So if anything, people are like, wow, I'm glad that you shared that or that's really cool. So yeah, it was almost like a big relief to share that. So I think that's important to keep in mind if you're listening to this, that you may have it in your head that the outcome is going to be a lot worse than what it actually will be. Yeah. Another kind of question, and we've kind of touched on this earlier, but do you feel any less of in almost like a connection or like that title of parent because you used a donor? compared to what you think it would be like if you wouldn't have? I don't think so. But as a mother, we all have those moments where is it like I'm doing the best job I could do? Am I patient enough with my kids? And I had a moment not that long ago where I was like, am I doing good enough? And this is a doubt that we all share as moms. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just like we've got the weight of the world on us, on our shoulders, and are we doing enough? Are we good enough? And I thought for a second, am I having these doubts about whether I'm good enough because I, because my children are donor conceived? And I don't think that, I don't think so. I think that I probably would be feeling that way regardless. Mm-hmm. Um, because the fact that my children are donor conceived is not the reason why they you know wanted to have a pillow fight by bedtime you know that night and so I'm just when I was starting to lose my gentle parenting and you know having those thoughts like am I doing enough am I gentle enough am I am I a good enough mother and if I'm having those doubts is it because I my children are donor conceived and I honestly don't think so But it's certainly always in the back of my mind that it is different. I don't think that my connection to my children is any different than anyone 
you know, regardless of how their children were conceived. From the minute I knew that they were there, I felt the connection to them. And they feel connected to me. When they wake up in the middle of the night, it's me that they call. When they are, you know, when they fall down, it's me that they want. Mm -hmm. And regardless of how they were conceived, I'm mom and nothing changes. I love that. That's so beautiful. And I love hearing from you too, because you're obviously further down that parenting path than me, but it is beautiful to get to start to see her like reach for me or, or like me to comfort her when she falls down and, you know, hits her head or something, you know, like, I love that. I think one of the beautiful perks of using this technology, right, donor egg IVF, is that you are able to grow this baby from your body, um, which is really cool. And one of my most favorite parts almost of my daughter, I love seeing this every day, and this is kind of weird, so <laughs> bear with me, but I love seeing her belly button. And I'm like, that is how you were connected to me. And I, I love that. Yeah, I mean, I think it, it's beautiful. And one other thing that I wanted to share with everyone is I was actually doing like a continuing ed webinar situation. And this psychologist who was talking about infertility and grief and such, and she was talking about for a little bit donor egg conception and something that kind of struck me in listening to that was she said the bonds that you build with your children they don't come just from having that genetic tie it comes from the day in the day out being there for them taking care of them all of those little things, that's what builds your emotional connection and your love and the depth of your relationship grows through that. And I've really started really witness that. Yes, of course, I loved my daughter when she was born, but our bond has almost become stronger now that she's a little older and I've gotten to be there for her every night you know and you know take care of her and watch her grow and I think you know I'm gonna cry already <laughs> but just talking about it but yeah it's a beautiful connection and I don't think that significantly different than a traditional route to conceive yeah I think the next question is do you worry that your child will again want to meet your donor or their genetic relatives in the future? I, I would support that. And the way that we have it set up now, I don't think that they can. I think that it was kind of set in the contracts that they could reach out and ask for her information or ask to be with her, but not until they were older, like 18 or something. Mm -hmm. um, but I don't know what the technology is going to look like when they are interested in doing that. And I'm definitely not worried. I would support that. And I hope that I get to meet her someday too. I would yeah. love to say thank you in person. And I can imagine that they at some point would want to connect with her and other biological genetic relatives. And uh, yeah, I would encourage that and support it in every way that I could. 
Yeah, same here. In my perfect world, it'd be like a bonus family for her to have other people that care for her and have some sort of connection with her as well. And so again, so she can fully see genetic roots, because I think that's also, you know, can be important to who we see ourselves in our identity. But yeah, I would love that for her. And I think that might that desire or that lack of fear for that grows over time as your bond with your child, you know, continues to grow too. I don't know that I felt this way when we were kind of going through the process. And so I don't know if it's because they're here now or because, like we said, that we've grown a lot, but it's, I don't know that I would have openly said I would encourage them to meet her when we were going through the process. Yeah. We got here. We're always evolving, you know? And yeah, growing. exactly. Yeah. Last thing, is there any other like advice or anything you'd like to share with anyone else who is considering using a donor? I mean, anyone that's considering using a donor, if you think that this could be the right path, I would encourage them to learn as much as possible and talk to people like you and me who have been through it, <clears throat> who are very honest and candid with our own stories and make those connections you will know when it's the right time i think that's important to to know that even if you have your concerns right now continue to do that soul searching continue to do that research and um, you'll know when it's the right time to go the route of donor and if that's the right path to building your family yeah i love that Thank you so much for being here today, Laura. I've had such an amazing conversation with you today, and I'm sure everyone listening has also benefited so much from your insight and your wisdom and you being super authentic with everything that you've been through and your experiences. And for any of our listeners who want to learn more about um, you or, you know, look potentially work with you. What is the best way for them to get in contact with you? My website is positivefertilitycoaching.com. And on there, you can find all the ways to work with me and read the blog. And you can find me on Instagram at positive.fertility, where I share daily about all things fertility and fertility treatments, as well as donor conception and processing loss. Thank you. Okay, that sounds great. And I will actually have those links in the show notes. Please go ahead and visit those and learn more about Laura. Great. All right. Thank you, Laura. Thank you. Thank you for allowing me to share these stories, information, and tips with you, or really just allowing me to connect with you on a subject that's so dear and important to your life. I really hope that somewhere out there I was able to reach one of you and to let you know that, again, you're not alone on this journey. Please make sure to subscribe to the podcast and do me a solid and share this with your friends or anyone that you think might benefit from hearing this. Also, I'd love it if you could leave a rating or review from wherever you're listening. If you have any questions or you want to share anything about what you heard today with us, Please leave a comment on YouTube or Spotify. And for a deeper dive on today's episode, 
bonus content and to connect with others in this space, I invite you to join True Fertility Tribe Facebook group. And last but not least, let's be friends on Instagram where I post almost daily. You can find me at True Fertility. Wishing you all baby dust. Till next time. Bye.